Right, hey, go to Romans 8, 20, 28. Can you do that? Romans 8, 28. And I got a little illustration we're going to come to in just a little bit. I want to talk to you from the subject, the 828 promise. I just want you to remember that number. Everybody say 828. I want you to remember that. You're going to recognize this passage probably if you've been in church a little while. It's a real important promise to us. All right, let's, let's read that together. Can we do that? Come on, come on, read with me. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Come on, read it with me one more time. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Uh, Holy Spirit, you're here. You're our helper. And we need you to help us uh, with this truth. We need you to help us open up our minds, give us clarity, uh, give us insight. Help us to receive this truth, Lord, and, and to, to see Jesus in ways that we've never seen him before. And to just embrace him and walk by faith in the truth that he's given us. Thank you, Lord, for this verse. Thank you for this promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we live in a complex world, don't we? It's, it's a complex thing that's going on. There's good things happening. Uh, there's bad things happening. I, I don't know if you've been watching some of the news with all the chaos. And, this, and it's not just a one-time issue. It's a lot of complexities involved. And there's a lot of different kinds of solutions that need to be given to it, both the virus and for all the unrest that's going on right now in all these major cities. And, and pray for my Lily. She's in Atlanta. It's, it's not really good in that whole area. Uh, don't get me going there. Mm. Good things are happening, bad things are happening, tragic things are happening, there's, there's no doubt about it. Tragic things have happened in many of our lives um, concerning accidents and sickness and death and all the things that, that just kind of are a part of our world right now, unfortunately. Uh, we're all going through a, a sort of a bad and tragic time, and, and the, the, the crazy thing about this particular tragedy, dealing with this virus and all the, the, the government stuff and all the crazy stuff that's going on, is that... It's not just isolated to a people group. It's not just isolated to a socioeconomic group. It's not just isolated to a region. It, it literally is a global issue going on right now. There's hardly anybody that you would ever meet or run on into the streets here in Gilberttown or Alabama or go across the countryside. Everybody's going through this tragic time. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's a lot of complexities. Now, here's the, here's the deal. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's tragic... We serve a God who makes promises to us. Now, that's one of the unique things about our faith, actually, that we serve a God who makes promises to us. And now these promises become the foundation of our faith because what we're believing in is actually the word. You, you say believe the word, things like that. Well, that's talking about the promises, the things that he has promised to do for us because of his goodness. He has promised certain things, and that becomes the foundation of of our life. It becomes the foundations of our faith. In comparison, if you were to do a study about pagan worship and pagan gods, which it's all around us, and it's, it's not just over in the east anymore, it's now come right here, close to us. If you were to do a comparison study about pagan gods and how they worship, the pagan gods don't promise anything to their people. In fact, the opposite is true. What is required of you in most pagan worship is that you make promises to the god, and you don't know how it lands one way or another. Okay, our God makes promises to us. I keep saying that, but that's that's the foundation. He makes promises to us and he promises to be good on his promises. You know, that's, that's the foundation of our trust and our faith. The Bible teaches us this about this unique and holy God. He promises us 
And today's message is about one of those major promises in the scripture. It says right here, we're going to keep this up the whole time right on, on the scripture so we can just kind of break it down. It says this, and we know, and we know. Now, who is the we in this passage? If you were to kind of track down to the bottom part, who is the we in the passage? Who is the we? It's those who love God, right? Those who love God and who are called, called by him according to his purposes. So the we is me, right? The we is you. The we is us, those who are followers of Jesus. That's who this promise is given to. Followers of Jesus Christ, the we is me. And it says this, that we as a body of believers, as people who follow Jesus, we know something. We know something. Now, knowledge is important, isn't it? Knowledge creates perspective and understanding and, 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 and it helps us to make better decisions and clarify and, and to follow. Knowledge creates perspective. Knowledge is, is important. We know something. We know. And what we know becomes the foundation of our lives. Okay? Whether it be good or bad. Now we just pull back, not talking about scripture stuff. What you know as a human being is important. Now, knowledge helps us view the world in a certain way. We call that, in, in, in our circles that we study in and all that kind of, we call that worldview. You ever heard that? Uh, that's a particular worldview. We could reverse that. That's a particular way of viewing the world. Now, if I had a, uh, the worldview is kind of like a pair of sunglasses. If I had a, a pair of dark sunglasses, if I put them on and look through them, what would happen to everything I look at? It'd be darkened, wouldn't it? You heard the saying that, that uh, he looks at the world through rose-colored glasses. That means that everything that he sees is kind of turned that direction, you know, may not even be correct, but our worldview is important. And, and there's some things we need to have in, in place for the way we see the world and perspectives. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of perspectives coming at you right now, isn't it? About the government, about the virus, about solutions, about possibilities, you know, just all kind of stuff. And, and you get kind of weary of that. But can you see how some of it doesn't really line up with what we believe? You probably can, but we're not going to make this political. We know, we know as followers of Jesus, people who study the scriptures, who study the word of God, we know certain things about God. We're learning that. We're learning more. We know some certain things about us, some things that need to be addressed, some things that have been addressed by him. We know certain things about the way life should go. So there's a particular knowledge for the people of God. The idea of to know means to be aware, to understand something in a particular way, to see it clearly. Here, here's a word picture for you. To know literally means to see with your eyes wide open. Okay, so now if we put that definition right here, it says, and we see with our eyes wide open that all things work together for good. So that's a perspective. This is a way to look at life right here. Now, what do we know? This knowing leads us to confidence. It leads us to trust. And what do we know? Knowledge is important. Education is important, isn't it? And not only education, but what you're learning is important. Your mind is a wonderful, wonderful gift from God. And as soon as you remember where you left it, you can use it, right? <laughs> Your mind is a wonderful, wonderful gift of God. You think about everything that your mind does. 
Now you got the brain that's the organ of the thing that works, it collects all the data, but your mind is something that's mysterious. We haven't really quite put our finger on it. We, we, we've got studies in psychology, which is a study of the psyche or the mind, so to speak. But we really, as, as a human race, we really hadn't been able to nail that. What is the mind? Because it's so powerful and it's so mysterious and it's so, uh, it's, it's, it's just, the best supercomputer ever created is right between your ears. You realize that? I mean, it runs your body, it helps you process thought, it, it, you know. And some of our minds, they, it thinks of stuff that ain't even there, you know. <laughs> hey, y'all, y'all gonna listen up? It's, we're here, it's okay, it's okay. Your mind's a wonderful gift to God. It's that reservoir that kind of holds all the knowledge and helps you compute the data and all that kind of thing. But there's always a battle over your mind, isn't it? There's a battle over your thoughts. And if you were to watch the TV, you would figure that out. There's a battle over the way you think about life. There's a battle over the way you think about God. There's a battle over the way you think about marriage. There's a battle over the way you think about money. There's a battle over everything. That's, and, and that battle is meant to trigger your mind. Knowledge is important. The source that you receive the knowledge from is very, very important. All right. In fact, the current frustration we're having right now, even outside of all the, the, the reality of some of the virus things that are going on, the reality of the confusion around and the frustration around the unknown is probably one of the biggest things we're dealing with, isn't it? Is that we really don't know what we're dealing with. I mean, you know, tell us to do this one day and the next day say, well, no, no, that's not gonna work. And then two weeks later they come back and say, well, maybe we were wrong about what we were wrong about. And it's like, you get in this loop of, it's like the, the frustration of, of the unknown because you know why? My mind is, it, it, it wants to know, it wants to know. I mean, I want to know, even if it's the God awful truth, I wanna know that, you know what I'm talking about? I don't want you to run me around the barn and try to whisper in my ear something nice and sweet when it ain't sweet. You know what I'm talking about? I just want to know. I want to know. All right. And all the mis misinformation that's going on. It's just insane. And we know. We know. Now, the Bible is, is super important to us. Now, I'm saying that to a bunch of church people. We already know that. But, but, you know, the Bible brings a particular kind of knowledge to the world, to us as people. It's super important to us because the Bible gives us a perspective on God. It tells us who He is. It gives us a perspective on our origins, where we came from. It gives us a perspective on what, what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with me. It gives me a perspective on the solution that's offered. It's scripture, it's, it's such a unique book. You ought to read it sometime. You know what I'm talking about? You ought to get in there and study it. It, it, it gives us a perspective on, on where this thing ends and where it's going, where it's headed. And, and it even tells us about some of the process that's going to happen along the way. And some of the knowledge is absolutely terrifying, actually, sometimes. But that knowledge is important. And you have it in your lap on your phone right there. You have a certain knowledge given by God. To say, hey, this is the way I want you to view you. I want you to view the world. I want you to see me like this. It's really important. So the Bible becomes, I call this kingdom knowledge. The Bible gives us kingdom knowledge. It gives us knowledge of another kingdom. Now we know what it's like to live in this realm and this earth and this world and underneath governments and people and parents and business owners and employer, employers and all those kinds of things. We know what that kind of kingdom is like, but the Bible brings a whole nother perspective and says, hey, I want you to understand there's a whole nother kingdom you don't know anything about. And actually that kingdom is more important than any kingdom you've ever experienced. And the Bible tells us about this kingdom and Jesus clarifies it. That's, he becomes super important to this idea of this kingdom knowledge because Jesus comes as the kingdom bringer. 
He comes to bring, in fact, he, that's, that's his main message. He says, it's time for you to repent. Now, what in the world is that? That's a church word. What in the world is that kind of word? And actually, the word repent has kind of been weaponized by, the, by Christian people. And we point our finger into people's faces and say, repent. And we got guys doing all kind of crazy stuff and saying the word repent. But actually, the word repent is one of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. Because it's an opportunity for you now to receive new knowledge. Actually, the word repent is not religious at all. It literally means this. It literally means to change the way you think. So Jesus steps on the scene and he says, hey, I want you, everybody, to think about what you've been thinking about. That's repent. And Jesus became very controversial. And that hadn't changed in 2,000 years, really. And you know why? Because Jesus always challenges the status quo of the way things are and the way people think. He does that in your life. I mean, who, which one of us would have thought, love your enemies and do good to those that hate you? Who would have thought of that? So that's kingdom knowledge. He said, this is the way my kingdom works. I want my kingdom to operate like this. He says, I want you to hear this knowledge. This is how the world should operate. This is how my world operates. Plug into it. Does that, does that all make sense to you? I'm going off this phrase, we know. There's some things we know. There's a lot more things. And in fact, the more I know, the more I find out I need to know. Actually, and the more I find out I need to grow in these areas. Here's, here's a tragic truth. Hosea 4.6 says this. It says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Didn't say they perish because they don't go to church enough. Didn't say they perish because they don't care for each other. It says they perish because they don't know certain things about how this idea works. My people perish because they simply do not know. And you and I are living in a day and age where there is absolutely zero excuse for us not to know. You know that? I mean, you've got the, I, mean, I can open up my iPad or my phone right now, right here. And I've got the Bible in my phone in like 42 languages. Only one of them I can speak. And I'm struggling with that one sometimes. <laughs> Somebody needs to write the Bible in Alabama yeah, or, or Tennessee. You know what I'm talking about? I think they did. It's called the Message Bible, but that's all right. <laughs> but but you know, I, I, I've got... I, I can promise you, if, if I got trapped on a deserted island and had a plug-in, I could survive off my phone with just Bible knowledge. I've got this, this software program that absolutely has more than any man could read in his whole lifetime. It's right in my phone. It's absolutely insane. We, we, we've got opportunity to know. And the Bible says that we're perishing because we simply do not know. So Jesus breaks in through the darkness and he brings light to people. And he says, listen to me, I can let you know. I can let you in on the know. I can teach you what you need to know about you, about God, about life. And Jesus, because, in fact, you know what the, the thing that they called him the most? Teacher. Because what does the teacher do? It, they teach you what you need to, to know. Thank you, Miss Jenny. You gave me. <laughs> they teach you what you need to know. Paul makes this, this confession of faith. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. 
See, Paul said, I, I've, I come into a particular knowledge. Paul didn't know this all his whole life. In fact, he didn't know this until he met Jesus on that road to Damascus. And then, then a whole revelation knowledge came to him right there that, oh man, I've got to change the way I think about everything. And why would a man change the way he thinks? Well, when he comes in contact with truth. And he realizes he wasn't walking in that. And we know. Now, it's not secret knowledge. I'm talking about it. Actually, Jesus says this is not a secret at all. In fact, anybody that wants to come can come. Anybody that wants to know can know. This is not a secret. It's open. All right? How do we know? Let, let, let me fast forward here a little bit in my notes. Now, what, what do we know? According to this passage, and we already said it, but make sure you track with me. And we know. What do we know according to this passage? We is, the, we is me, right? We're, it's us. And we know we've got a particular knowledge. What do we know according to this verse? According to this truth? What, what do we know? Tell me. That all things work together for good. We know this. Or do we? Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that, that the worry and fear in my own heart kind of portray that I may not know what I think I know. So, so I need to regroup. I need to go back and say, Lord, teach me again. Teach me. Do I really know that all things are going to work together for good? So if, if we know this, if we know that everything that comes my way or everything that I come into contact with, if I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to work it out for good, that changes how I go through stuff. That changes my perspective on life. I may not want to go through some things, but if I have to go through it, it changes the way I, I handle myself. You see what I'm talking about? This kind of knowledge is super important. This, this promise is important for us to know that all things work together for good. Now, now real briefly, let's, let's just kind of get a, get a timeline. Let's talk about God's good story. Let's see how God works all things. The Bible is a book that teaches us that God has been working and God will continue to work towards good. God's good story starts out with creation. Let's just let this speaker be like the starting point for creation, okay? This is creation. What does God say about his creation? God created in six, six days he created. And what did he say about all, all those days? It is good. Now, isn't that word good up in there? In that verse right there? Is that word good in that verse? Okay. So it's God's good story. God's good story starts off good, and then sin enters the world, Genesis chapter 3, and, and things kind of turn to not so good, right? But God makes a promise in Genesis 3.15 that says, I will work it out for good. He doesn't use those particular words, but he makes a promise to Adam and Eve and to the adversary that I am going to crush your head when this is all said and done. I'm going to make this good. Now, if you travel through the Bible from Genesis 3 all the way through, all the way through the book of Revelation, all the way through, you got all kinds of stories. You got all kinds of, you got actually thousands of years of history we're traveling through with this story. But it's God's good story how God takes somebody named Abraham and he turns his life for good. And he says, Abraham, I know you're, you're a pagan right now. You're, you're, you're serving other gods, you and your family. But I want to tell you, I want to bring you into some kingdom knowledge. I want you to know, Abraham, I want to use your life and I want to bring good out of your life that will bless every, every nation on the earth. 
because we know that to be Jesus. But the story comes, he takes men like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Boy, Jacob's a real story in God turning things for good. And, and then, then we got Jacob's son, one of Jacob's sons, Joseph. Well, now there's a story. There's a story where things were not good at all. And God worked them out for good. Huh. So we got, we got this story. God, God for, for, for lack of time, we got this story, God's good story, and how throughout all of human history, he's, he's taking bad things. He's taking even bad people, and he's turning it around for good. He's working it for good. In fact, he'll even use a Pharaoh in Egypt to turn things for good for his people. It's crazy. He'll use some bad stuff to make some good stuff happen. And he's so good at being good, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about? It don't matter what you give him, he can make it good. So, so this is the story of God's good story and God, how he makes things good. So we come to the cross. We come to Jesus. That's where everything changes. And Jesus intensifies this idea of goodness. I want to bring everybody, every nation, tribe, and tongue. I want to bring everybody, give them opportunity to come into this good story. That's what Jesus does. And now the story starts with a good creation. Let's fast forward to the end of the story, which actually the end of the story is actually a whole brand new beginning. You understand that? It's actually the beginning of a brand new story. Because God starts with good creation. Creation goes bad. God promises that in the end, John the Revelator, he says this. He says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. And all the former things are passed away. And there's no more sin there's no more sickness. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. All of that is passed away because now God, through his story, is made from good creation to gone bad creation. God promises that I will turn it around for good. This is my promise. And in the end, all the bad stuff's going to be made good. You see, that's, this, this verse is actually an overarching promise of the entire story of humanity. Can you get this? So if God's story starts off good, it goes bad. God promises to do good. What about your story? What about you? Don't you have a similar story? You're born in this world. You're nice and good. And, you know, you ain't got any trouble too much yet. But then you, get, you turn two years old, right? <laughs> and it all goes downhill from there, right? We actually call that the terrible too. That, that's, that, that may be where the sin nature kind of comes alive. You know what I'm talking about? But you have a story of it wasn't so good. Don't you? If you've been in church too long to remember. Because we can ask your spouse. They will remember. <laughs> and we went bad. And now what is God doing in your life? With your story? Any working with you? Where's he taking you? He's taking you to good. And he's making you gooder. <laughs> you know, he's making you good. He's turning it around for good. Even the bad stuff. You know, we think about, you know, if we were to make a list, if we, if we took a sheet of paper and, we, and you made a personal list and all the bad stuff that's happened to you in your life, we could have a pretty good list probably, most of us. All the real difficult, the tragic stuff. And you flip that piece of paper over 
And if you were to look at it from the perspective of, of how God has worked through this particular thing, have you ever heard somebody say things like, uh, yeah, I got, in, I got in trouble with the law, but it actually was my breaking point, and that's where actually my life turned around. You ever heard that kind of story? It's kind of common to humanity in a lot of ways, isn't it? Or, or maybe, maybe this kind of story. I, you know, I, I was kind of doing my own thing, and then, then I lost my business. Everything kind of fell apart, and that, that was where I found God. You ever heard a story like that? Hmm. We, we all got some shape, form, or version of that story. Most of us have that kind of story, don't we? That it, it happened bad, but God turned us around and He brought good out of it. All right? Now, so through all the chaos, the sin, and death, we see also mercy, grace, and life at work. We see God at work. And what's He doing? What's He doing with my life? What's He doing with your life? And we know that all things work together. Everybody say that for. Everybody say for good. And good is a God word. I like it a lot. <laughs> and by the time he's finished with you, you're not going to be your old ornery self. You're going to be good. And you're going to be actually good at being good. That's a good, that's a good idea, isn't it? <laughs> There's an old country song that says, if you can't be good, be good at it. But that ain't what we're talking about, right? <laughs> All right, let, let, me, let me get into this idea. So God is at work. Let me get, throw out some, some, some words that the Scripture uses. See, God is so good at turning lives around, turning stuff around. This is what the Scripture says. It, it uses some, some R words. Remember the redeem, restore, reconcile, or reconcile, regenerate, return. Renew, resurrect, resurrect. You see what I'm talking about? See, that, that's, that's, that's words that describe this whole idea of salvation. Is see, God redeems our life because, see, I went through a, such a period of time and choices and all this kind of thing and sin that I was not deemed worthy. So when He saw me not deemed worthy, He redeemed me and made me into a new man. You see what I'm talking about? And what He does is, is I have blown it. I have made a mess of it. I went prodigal. I walked away from my father and everything that's good and holy and righteous in my life. I knew right and wrong. I was raised in it. I walked away from it. And I found out there was a father who was willing to restore somebody who had purposefully, by their decisions, lost everything. See, that's what he's doing. We have story after story. Many of these come from the lips of Jesus. He regenerates a person. He helps us return. See, he's turning. See, all these re-words. Re, the idea of re is that he, he, he makes it different than it was. Because I turned the wrong way, he gave me opportunity to return. You see what I'm talking about? But when I read these kind of words, they just really light off in my spirit. And you could end up staying here a while if I keep going. Because each one of these words, we've got story after story. We've got testimony in this building after testimony. People watching on Facebook, we've got testimony after testimony of how God has redeemed, restored, reconciled, resurrected, actually is a great word, brought us back from the dead. And what we're seeing is all things working together. Joseph is a great character study in this. 
Romans 8.28, you've got it right there. Here's the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. Joseph, at the end of his days, after his, his trial, going through all the stuff, you know, from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison, all this kind of thing, and, and then to the palace. He gets there to the palace. Joseph, as his brothers, who absolutely started this whole process, threw him in that pit, left him for dead, told daddy he was dead. All that, years and years have gone by now. Years. Joseph has, has now risen to the second in command in Egypt. Listen to what he says. This is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. Genesis 50.20. It says this. But as for you, you meant evil. Talking to his brothers. Joseph talking to his brothers. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. In order to bring about as it is this day to save many people. You see that? You, 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 we, we learn. See, this is knowledge. We're getting knowledge. Even somebody like Joseph, God takes his life, even though everything fell apart. And in case you're thinking that's an easy journey, some scholars say that that journey lasted some 15 to 17 years. That's a long time to have a series of bad days that turn into bad years. And at the end of his life, he came into a knowledge. He said, now, I don't want you off the hook. You meant to kill me. I don't have no doubt about that. There was evil in your heart. But God is so good at being good. He took that evil that was intended. He, he spun it around. He made it good. So that's, that's that Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. Now, this is what I want to do. All right. Let's get this little deal here. I'm going to show you this in just a short little illustration. Let me get my stuff all down here. Get my, my little tablecloth. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What y'all talking about? What's wrong with y'all? What's wrong? This is my little cloth, man. This is what I use on my picnic. Y'all gonna come have a picnic with me? It's a pretty shade of orange. Y'all y'all like it. Hey, 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 hey. All right, give, give me my, give, yeah, you're, you're a little closer. Well, we ain't got, y'all ain't got nothing to worry about, but this year might be our year. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we don't even, we're going to play football. All right, now, now listen. Now look at this verse again. I, I keep having you look at it, but this is how we study something. We just keep looking at it and looking at it until, until, until it lifts off the page. And we know that all things work together for good. Now let me tell you this. It did not say Everything is good. That's not what it says. They didn't say that everything in my life is good. Or everything that comes at me is good. Or everything that comes at me is right and holy. It didn't say that, does it? So we know that not everything is good. The revelation is, is that God takes it and makes it good. Okay, now let's, let's take this idea that, like the ingredients of a cake. Now, what do we got here? All right, I got to follow my little recipe. Is that all right? A little Martha Stewart stuff today. All right, so, so if I was to take this butter, all right, I'll tell you what I didn't get. I didn't get a, a, a little towel. All right, and we take this and we put this. It says half a cup of butter, all right, one cup of sugar. We good? All right, now it says that we cream them together. Front row people, welcome. <laughs> well. Well, hey, will you whip this up for me? <laughs> it's, do it the old-fashioned way. You know? 
It's a tablecloth. It's, it's bad. So, so if I was to take this, you know, in fact, this way my grandma did. They didn't have all this electronic stuff. Yeah. You ever see grandma? I mean, she would. This is what she do. And boy, that arm would get to going. And my grandma wasn't no skinny lady either. That's why she's good at this kind of stuff, really. And that arm, I can't even do it. That arm, you know what I'm talking about? You got it, Anna? That arm would get to going like that, and she didn't even need a mixer. Oh, you got it. Thank you. I might make a mess. You think that might be right? All right. So we were, we were it'd be easier with the mixer. Well, Grandma had one attached to her elbow. All right. So now we got to, to beat two eggs. Oh, thank you, Miss Karen. Oh, we got a brown one and a white one. All right, so we'd take these eggs, and I was, if I was doing it right, I'd beat them out already, and they'd pull them in there. Take this egg, all right? Now, let's just look at these ingredients right here. Now, throw one more in here. Uh, fold in. What's fold in? Fold in uh, uh, one and a half cups of all-purpose flour. All right, so, all right, so we, we, would, we would stir this into our creamy mix, and we would fold this in. We would just little by little, we'd stir it in. All right, now. Now, would, would, would you, by yourself, on your own, would you eat those, that cup and a, what's a cup and a half? Would you eat that cup and a half of flour? Would you eat that? Now, what about them raw eggs? Would you eat that? I mean, like, since you watched Rocky, you remember? <laughs> I thought I was something. I, I, how many of y'all were just inspired back in the Rocky days? You remember Rocky? Sylvester Stallone and all that stuff, and you thought you could beat up bad guys if you ate uh, some, uh, some raw eggs. You remember that? Y'all didn't do that? Y'all didn't do that? I did that. I, I, had them, I, I was putting them in the shake and milk and all that kind of raw eggs because I thought if I did that, I could be like Rocky. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, how many of y'all would eat just that all by itself? Would you eat a stick of butter by yourself? Now, see, this is what I'm talking about. Not everything is good by itself. Not every experience in life we have is good by itself. Not everything that we go through is pleasant. Not everything we go through is welcomed. It's, it's, it's not always good, is it? If you lost a loved one, it's, it's, that's, not, that's a terrible thing. It's horrible. You lost income and going through financial difficulties or you've been through a, 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 a marriage crisis or you've been through a divorce. Those are not good things. And those are things that if we had choices, we wouldn't want to eat that. We wouldn't want to go through that, would we? You wouldn't want to go through that sickness and that, that problem and that difficulty in your body. You wouldn't want to go with that breakdown in your mind. You wouldn't want those kind of things in your chapters and your story. But guess what? It is. And each one of the ingredients of your story, no matter how bad it is, how horrible, how tragic, our God tells us that he has the ability to work it. Now, it may take a little time. It might take years. Here's something I don't necessarily like sometimes. It, I, it may take me getting to eternity to get it all good. But the promise is that when he gets through working it all together, now here's my little baking powder. You put that in there too? That helps everything rise to the occasion, doesn't it? All right? And then we, we got our milk. We pour it all in there. Now, some of this stuff is good. I would, I, you know, you'd, you'd drink this milk all by itself. That's some, some of the good stuff. And some of you would even take this vanilla extract and get it in there. <laughs> Never mind. The promise is that when God gets done 
And here's the mystery. Some of you ladies deal with this all the time. And you're cooking, you're baking. All these ingredients. Again, nobody would want this. Now, who, who knows? Who knows what's going into the recipe of your life? The baker knows. The baker knows. God knows. He knows the different things that are the ingredients. And in fact, sometimes things get a little bit extra. So he may have to add a little bit more flour in this one. Yeah, we'd need a little bit more sugar too, actually. This kind of got a little bitter here. You know? Who oversees the recipe of our lives? Well, he's he's going to work it all out together. For good. For my good. And here's, here's the mystery. Now, what, what happens if, if, if I leave out an ingredient? What happens? You ever done that cooking something? Fellas, ladies, you ever done that cooking? And you're like, I didn't put something. Where are them eggs? <laughs> you ever done that? What, 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 ha- what happens if, if a part of your story is left out? I know the parts that you won't talk about. The, the parts we may not even want to know about, actually. What happens if those ingredients are left out? Then you're not you. And the restoring is actually not the right story. So the baker knows. He has wisdom on what goes in. He sees what goes in and he knows how to work with it. And he knows how to work it together. And you know what's going to happen in our life? Well, hey, that that, that actually kind of worked out pretty good. That's actually almost ready. Okay, now there's, there's, there's another element to this other than working it out and working it together. That, that's important. But what, what's this going to need? If I, if I were to take this and I was to pour it in this pan right here, okay? If I was to take this and just pour this in this pan and spread it all out and make it all nice, then, then what do I have to do? I got to put it in the fire, don't I? It's a nonstick. Shut up on the front row, please. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like catch it? <laughs> you gotta have a little fire on it, don't you? You gotta have a little heat. There's gotta be a little pressure put on. And sometimes that's that's when the good rises up to us. It rises up in us is when that fire comes. That's important. You ever been through the fire? Mm-hmm. Some of us in it right now. Mm. And here's here's the promise. Here's the promise, that when God gets through with your life, when God gets through with my life, it's going to be like this cake. I made this last night. Thank you, sir. Well, bought it. That's kind of the same thing, right? (laughs) And never mind the round pan and the square cake. It it takes a little effort to do that. (laughs) I knew somebody was thinking all that. Just little details, there's no problem. Here's the promise, that when God gets through working it all together for good, just like the baker does with the mix, it looks like something. Purpose is seen. Goodness comes out of it. You see what I'm talking about? Can you think about your life? So, so, so what the apostle's telling us right here is that these are things we've got to know. That right now we're working with flour and eggs. And it ain't real good. But God's mixing it together. And if I'll cooperate with him, the process will go a little bit better. And when it's all said and done, his purpose will be known. You see what I'm talking about? Does that make sense to you? 
the issue is that in the working stage, I know he's up to good, whether I see it or not. I believe it because he promised. You talking, you hear me? So no matter what, what, we, what it is, whether the circumstances coming at you is absolutely tragic, our faith tells us, our God tells us, he's going to work it out for good. Amen. Let's read this one more time before we go. And, and, and read, read it like you mean it. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Do you know that? 